hello and are you ready little guy (laughs) (laughs) yes you're listening to the slow ride podcast likes advice and rumors straight from the source Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 245th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston. Oh, it is such a big episode. We've got the Flanders Spectacular Race Weekend to discuss. Mm-hmm. We have Roubaix to go over. Mm-hmm. And the little guy. The little guy is here. What do you I'm got here. for us, Matt? <laughs> Second time's <laughs> charm. Strange transition. Well, I'm here. And um, I'm, I'm also here to say that I'm going to uh, be retiring from the podcast after this episode. I think I've got enough wins. And um, <laughs> so this is my final podcast here. Uh, but I'm back well, to talk a little trash to you guys uh, just for today. Well, we are, uh, we're we're stoked to have you on board. And yeah. uh, it's been a great five years of this little experiment that we've done. And uh, thanks for uh, coming back. Yeah. I mean, uh, no problem. And I don't want to talk at all about how MVDP, MVPs, yep. Matthew Vanderpool teammates put on one heck of a show this weekend in shepherding yeah. their great, their team leader, not only to a victory at Dave a on f- Friday. It was Thursday, Wednesday, but also I don't know. was it Wednesday? Sorry. And then not only that, but Matthew Vanderpool crashes while trying to bunny hop a flower bed. I don't know. Wheel <laughs> failure, steerer break, Hincappy's mm-hmm. on his couch screaming, that's my boy. And who was there for him? A teammate mm-hmm. prepping his bike to get him back in as soon as possible. Yeah. And boy, did they. Now, was that the highlight of the weekend, guys? Or was the highlight of the weekend the um, Alberto Batol win? Or was it the Mario Marta Bastianelli victory? I mean, what a weekend of racing at Flanders. It was a good weekend. I don't know what the highlight was. Those were all, those were all pretty close. I'll yeah. say that. A lot of top tier highlights uh, for the weekend reel, for sure. Um, you didn't even get into the rail slide, Tim. I thought you were going to go straight there. Yeah, well, I, there was at least three moments of Matthew Vanderpool's weekend that I think, <laughs> or week, need uh-huh. to be discussed at length on the Slow Ride podcast. One... Him clearing the roadways of Dave Ve with his front wheel when there was like the the lone stone that was in the middle of the road, yep. and he just did that quick uh, wrist flick. Mm-hmm. And that little guy, um, that's quite the camera work to catch that. It was super super zoom on that one. Somebody said enhance, 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 enhance. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and then 
And then we have the the wheel disintegration, maybe mm-hmm. steer to break. Mm-hmm. Matthew Vanderpool gave an interview saying it was a wheel failure that he hit the that his rim broke when he hit the flower bed. Hmm. Um, he may also be quite the professional not to blame the uh, the mechanic slash bike. Like, what do you guys think? What's your diagnosis? from a couple thousand miles away in a VPN uh, <laughs> connection <laughs> to watch the race. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Is it better to blame the wheel sponsor than the bike sponsor? It's like, it's apples and oranges, see, maybe? It's gotta be. Did, did you see the video that Canyon put out? I mean, they put a lot of money into a video about Matthew Vanderpool before Flanders that... Oh, it's so I good. Mean, it's so good. It's I probably one of the best advertisements of all time. It's... Yeah, it's a lot of Matthew and then Audrey Vanderpool and like cutting back and forth between them, like, you know, current currently racing and then Audrey highlights and then Audrey mm-hmm. cheering for Matthew and, and Matthew as a kid. And it's it's pretty uh, it's a pretty mm-hmm. heartwarming video. That sounds like a good watch. Man, David's got to be pretty bummed that he's on the couch with whatever he broke. Yeah. Who? Yeah, who? yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which one? <laughs> um, I. And then there's the rail slide, the yeah. the rear wheel rail slide, about 15k to go at Flanders, and Vanderpool like kind of loses focus maybe for a little bit, or maybe wanted to do it on purpose, and just slides his rear wheel sidewall and all against the curb, one of those uh, nice uh, like grade separated bikeways that they have in Belgium, mm-hmm. and just kind of slides it. And then the best part was immediately after he raises his hand to apologize to the guy behind him. Like, oh, sorry about that. And gentlemen, yeah, not only gentlemen, but we've watched his cross races many times, and we all know I'm a huge Matthew Vanderpool fan, probably the biggest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably the he is kind of known, you know, he does like go around some of those uh, like 180s where he's running or dismounted and just kind of throws his bike around, like, there's no really no rhyme or reason to some of the ways that he gets around the course, right? He just gets it done in yep. pure power way. And that's what that rail slide kind of reminded me of a little bit. Yep. Like yeah. just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go. I, yeah, I love, I love that all these things are all amazing, but I mean, you're burying the lead, which is that he crashed and for all intents and purposes was completely out of the race Yeah, and bridged a huge gap at a point yeah. in the race where Basically, nobody has has business getting back in the race, you know. So, the, the, I did bury that lead, and there was the Twitter was on a storm right now. And the one of the best tweets I saw, I forgot who it was, um, said something along the lines of Wout Van Art was telling everybody else in the race, like, "Yeah, he's gonna show up," <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just like yeah. just basically the disappointment that Wout must have felt when. Um, oh, here he comes again. Tim, <laughs> he showed back up. Tim, that that tweet was from me. Ah, uh, oh. damn. Well, I didn't want to give you credit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good the, one. Uh, the uh, the whole yeah, Wout at the front being like, yeah, I know he crashed, guys. Don't don't worry about it. He's he's gonna come back. <laughs> like, yeah, don't get too excited. It doesn't matter. Like, pedal as hard as you want. It doesn't matter. Um, so that was a big it, gap. That? that was a crazy what? gap. It it's was incredible. a crazy gap, incredible. and he had some teammates bringing him along. Stein DeVolder doing the, the, the master's work at the end. He looked great. Yeah. I mean, little great. guy, the MV, 
DP MVPs. I mean, the whole time I felt like I knew what I was talking about mm-hmm. when I was shouting into the empty void of my living room when I had the uh, <laughs> flow bikes on. And uh, the uh, um, let, let's just go through some some of the results on the men's race. And then um, as we go through, maybe uh, mention some things that happened on the riders. But number 16, 16th place, Bobby Jungles of Quick Step. Excellent. Just beating out his uh, teammate, y- e- Ives Lampart in 17th. Top place quick step rider was Casper Askren in second place. The last minute edition. Where yeah. did they get this guy? Like he he replaced <laughs> Florian Sanchel. Like they just like looked bat like looked in the they looked in the bullpen little guy and it was like, oh wow, we have Frank Viola in the bullpen. Let's just bring out the uh let's just bring out the ace. I mean, they're deep, obviously. That was they're a so sneaky deep little that this- move. That was he I hope he gave jungles uh a nice, a nice present for that because Jungle set him up on that. that for the second away. place, yeah, because he yeah, went but- on the front. He wasn't even trying to attack, and Jungle's just Jungle's like a true pro. Let that gap open. Oh yeah, that was so, ca- classic teamwork. Cosmo Catalano had his video how the race was won this week, and he showed all the times that Casper Askreen was like on the front drilling it and doing yep. things, and it was yep. just like. And there, there was a roller derby proposition that was like, who's going to be the highest placed rider from Quick Step? Yeah. And this guy wasn't even on the list because he was yeah. a last minute replacement. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that this is the quality of rider that they have that can't even be on the first team. <laughs> yeah, and that they were probably so, really disappointed on the bus yeah. that night that they only got second with a guy who nobody knew, where every other team would been, you know, over the yep. moon. So fifteenth place. In probably the best fifteenth place finishing uh, maneuver of all time was Sebastian Langveld, who uh, posted up when he crossed the line because he knew that his teammate Alberto Beltal um, won. Uh, Langveld did quite the uh, yeoman's work because he also did a little sitting up. Uh, he did some good when blocking. The, yeah, when the gap opened up, yeah, it was reminded me a lot of uh, the old little guy racing days. Except, <laughs> except back guys... then we weren't sitting up; we were just no. getting dropped. Did you see the block that I forget which climb it was where it's like it's tight and it's maybe yeah. it was the last climb and was it the you got to take that right hander into the climb yeah. and and Langdeveld just like just sort Set of up. like hung out in the middle <laughs> got in everyone's yeah. way even rubbed some shoulders that was one of the best like oh don't mind me's I've ever seen I can't believe they let him up there like what I were know. they thinking. <laughs> They should have known it was going to happen. I mean, that that it's such a tight corner. Oh, that was good. And it's we we shouldn't forget Sep before we yeah. go any farther with the yeah. EF because yeah, that's a true champion when you're you're the real like would have been the leader if you wouldn't been injured. But he sacrificed his race, his chances it was- for his teammate, and that was awesome to see. So with bet it all, bet it all winning right, education first. I mean, now their season, like it's already a successful season regardless. Right. I mean, I mean, the smugness coming out of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the team bus and the wine selection from Vodders must have been just amazing to see it. I wish I would have been able to see it. I mean, yeah. what a win for this guy and the squad. It's pretty cool to see. Uh, so, Spencer, this is your chance now to say that you bet on him on roller derby. <laughs> I did. He he was a long shot, but uh I had been noticing his results previously as I as I want to do, you know, I'm looking for people outside of the top 5 but inside of the top 15 of a of a 
you know, some, some recent races and, uh, you know, he had a good showing at E3. Um, and that kind of put him on my radar. Yeah, some, some, some good results there at Torino now, as well. Um, but he was at 65 to one Yeah, and put a tenor on him. Yeah. Like, this was a little bit more than a fiver of faith, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it paid off well. I had him there and I had him to show as well. So, uh, got, got to double dip on that one a little bit. Um, I'm not, he's not a guy that I'm super familiar with. Uh, like I said, I just, he just sort of blipped on my radar a couple times. And after his victory, I did a little digging on this guy. Cause I was, I'm, I'm not super familiar. Like I said, and, um, looking through his results this year, I'm like, okay, I clicked back to 2018 and this guy might be the king of DNFs. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have a good he, year last year. He may have DNF'd more important races than anyone else out there. Uh, if we're scrolling through last year, 2018, he DNF'd Strata. He DNF'd E3. He DNF'd Flanders. He <laughs> DNF'd Doors. He DNF'd Amstel Gold. He <laughs> DNF'd Liege. And we moved towards the end of the season. He DNF's... Uh, the Breton Classic, he DNFs. Did he do Lombardia? Uh, he he did. No, he got DNFs. he did finish Fletch. Um, so and he finished Ghent. But yeah, it's it's incredible. He's got like four or five more. Closed out his season with the Japan Cup. By the way, yeah. Um, oh, he did. He did finish that in 59th. So this well, guy is incredible. I am I am I am curious to know more, and I'm sure there'll be tons of write ups in the press now. So yeah. so. Um, little guy, does he have a chance to win all five monuments or six monuments? <laughs> uh, I don't know if he, I don't know him that well either. I don't think he climbs quite well enough maybe to win all of them. Japan cup's pretty hilly. <laughs> so, all right. So he takes the win. Um, a couple of other results we got to talk about here. Wout Van Art in a disappointing 14th place. Maybe yeah. like, yeah. is that disappointing? I mean, I mean, he was there. He's on the same time as, as the, third place group right yeah so yeah, yeah got i mean whooped in the sprint by vanderpool he so. did get whooped <laughs> it's tough it's tough to say um i mean i'm happy for him i still would have liked to see him do better of course uh yeah i don't know i wonder how much uh vanderpool knew that there was a roller derby proposition between who was going to finish higher matthew vanderpool or Wout fan art um okay we've got uh Peter Sagan in 11th, GVA in 10th, um, friend of the podcast, Tis Benute in 9th place. Great to see. Um, Alejandro Valverde, guys, in his first ever Flanders, sprinting for third place, ends up in 8th place. Yeah. Would, now, I have the guarantee that he was going to win. Yeah. I felt very confident with about 25K to go that there was a chance that Valverde could pull this off. Yeah. But it... But when Christoph was able to stick with him, I was like, there's no way he's going to beat Christoph in a sprint yep. if it gets down to a sprint um, no. at the and, end there. But and what a story it would make riding to eighth place in your very first uh, Flanders if, um, you know, second Betsy place. Betsy all didn't win. For second place <laughs> and fourth place weren't also first timers. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah sure. Now, can we, we got to pause here, guys, just a second, because Valverde's world champion kit looks amazing there's also photos spy shots of a black training kit that's a black kit with the world championship stripes yeah. looks fantastic but 
the Peter Sagan Slovakian national champion kit, like it's way too similar. The UCI needs to <laughs> shut this down. They, they are the widest stripes of all time on his on his arms. It yeah. looks like he's in the world championship kit. If I was Valverde, I would file a protest at every race. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, thank God you're not Valverde. <laughs> With every win, he's won it three times. So, <laughs> so, they, so he gets three more centimeters than everybody else. Yeah, they get a little um, bigger every year. And if you win it enough times, you're just wearing a rainbow. Yeah, all right. And then all right, it just bugs me. Oliver Nason uh, battled bronchitis or whatever he had. Was mm-hmm. uh, there was some kind of medical like spinal yeah. meningitis? I don't know what was going that on. That story made he, no sense. Did you did you guys hear what why he said he got sick? No, why that he got. The Christoph sprayed champagne on him at the, on the <laughs> on the get podium, and then he got sick from the champagne. I wanted to talk about this. I think cyclists are morons. You you don't. I mean, I know that these guys are running. Uh, you know, they're they're that close to being sick all the time because they're so fit that they have no immune systems. But like, he had a quote of being like, "The only time I've been cold." was on the sh- on the podium i got cold for a second and champagne oh hit me God, and then man. he got a cold and then he goes on antibiotics and like that's why we have disease resistant or antibiotic resistant diseases is because cyclists are taking antibiotics because they got a freaking cold <laughs> this, uh-huh. to lead into flanders and like oh my god i i don't i mean i understand he was sick and but it like sh- I, I don't think he needs to be on antibiotics greatest, it's messed up is this the greatest humble brag of all time Oh, the only reason I'm sick is because I was on the podium at Kent Belgum and I got champagne sprayed on me. Yeah. But it also <laughs> it was kind of a weird dig, like Kristoff sprayed me with champagne and now I'm sick. <laughs> but like Kristoff oh, got off the maybe because Kristoff was packing a few extra pounds, he was yeah. able to to make it through that well, dangerous podium yeah. ceremony. Yeah. So we gotta uh sixth place, guys. We gotta yeah. mention it. And I had five points on him on roller derby. Michael Matthews. I've yeah. turned the corner. Oh. I've talked about this before. <laughs> Huge fan. Is this what's been happening while I've been gone? While you've been gone, little guy, I have become the biggest fan of Bling Matthews. I Bling for life. And man, hmm. he was the only one that I thought was going to be able to take out Kristoff. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just well, couldn't do yeah. it for third place. But man, was he there. He's actually having a pretty decent season. Maybe a little bit more humble. Now that he's got the uh, support of the super rookie, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean he's only done like four races, and they've—I uh, mean—I will admit they've all been really good, like difficult races, and he's got good results in them. So, like, yeah, yeah tip now, of the cap. I know you may be thinking, is Tim trying to do the reverse curse here, right? Like, yeah. like supporting Michael Matthews yeah. so much that inevitably he fails. Makes I don't sense, think so guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Matthew Vanderpool, fourth place. Christoph, third. Casper Askreen, second. And then Alberto Bettiol. Um, overall, what a great race. Overall, there's one thing that's going to be on everybody's mind uh, about this race. And that is something that I think we need to decide right here, right now. Matthew right. Vanderpool, white bibs. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, so shiny, so clean. Special I was occasion. Okay with him. I I liked him because what better way to announce yourself to the world than to have the white bibs? I mean, right? Because we were all every cyclocross fan was like, "Watch out for this guy." Every mountain bike fan was like, "Watch out for this guy." Yeah. And all the dumb roadies that were that are out there, 
you know, I've talked to my fair share of roadies and a couple have come around. Friend of the podcast, Steve Selby, big fan, agrees with me that he's going to be the greatest cyclist of all time after this performance at Flanders. Yeah. Others, though, like the clown we saw on Twitter, Spencer, like they're all like, oh, this guy isn't going to do anything. And then he came across that gap wearing white bibs. Everything <laughs> about it was just amazing. Like, That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, they have to be shaking in their boots. In it, fact, there has to be collusion in keeping him from racing other important races coming up this season, like Roubaix. It's He's not even on the start it's list. True. Um, <laughs> you know, true. when when he can come into a, a sport like cyclocross and be the thorn in the side of the current world champion, and then move over to mountain bike and be the thorn in the side for the current world champion, and now <laughs> move over to road and stick it to Valverde, like he beat Valverde in this in this bunch sprint, and uh, and Sagan. He would have won you know, if like, he didn't crash. I, I, I believe so. He yeah. clearly had enough energy um, to go off the front there in the end or or to take that sprint. But uh, yeah, it just uh, it's the audacity is just uh, it's just dripping off can, of him. Can we talk about another shameful thing is all of the times during the race um, that the announcers and the buildup and everything was like, this race has three cyclocross world champions. Yeah. Said Nick Stybar. Wild Fan Art and Matthew Vanderpool. Oh well, how convenient of them to leave out one of Roompot's one of Roompot's <laughs> own, Lars Boom. Was he even yeah. in the race? He DNF'd, but still the point <laughs> the point stands. I wondered what happened to him. I only saw Peter Weening pop his head out. So Yeah, anyway. Well, it was a great race. Um before we get into uh Roubaix, we gotta talk about the women's race because yes. Couple of big outcomes here. Sixteenth place went to Sophie Deust of the Park Hotel team. Now, when Abby was on beautiful last week, kit. we did our beautiful kit. Yeah, awesome. The chevrons, best part. Um, it was great to see uh, her. Lisa Klein came out. Yeah. Is back. Lisa Klein is back with a strong fourteenth place. Uh, finished in like the fourth group on the road, fifty-five seconds down. But um, it was very good to see her um, back at it. Uh, very exciting. Her spring is going all right, with as you would expect from a name like Lisa Klein. But probably the story of the day, besides Marta, Marta Bassianelli just cleaning up in the sprint, was Cecily Utrip Ludwig, and I yes. apologize for the name, but uh, mm-hmm. of, of Big La Pro Cycling, the pesto of the psych of the professional peloton. Guys, that interview afterwards, I'm a fan for life again. Not only was I a fan of life when she did it after the interview that she gave after um, the women's uh, La Course yeah. at the tour, this was awesome. It's very good. Yeah, uh, she she is the type of person you want to see interviewed after every race. Like she's she embodies what you want every cyclist to feel, but you know that they don't all feel that way. Um, she's just like excited and thrilled and happy for everybody and just like living it you know just like oh my god that was awesome it's just, ah, and freaking and she got out. third place yeah she's like yeah i just got third place to the two best racers in the world right yeah. anamique van vluten yeah. second place and then marta bassinelli and she was so happy bam and then they went and bam and i was like oh my god this is this is like the cool version of peter Sagan. basically cool version? <laughs> the much cooler version Okay, <laughs> because I don't know. It was such a good interview, and 
Um, I think she probably knew when she was like 10K out that there was, that she wasn't going to beat either of them in the sprint. Yeah. But she wasn't just holding on for dear life either. So it was very... I think that the other riders probably respected her a ton there because she was still coming through to do pulls. Yeah, she right? did like, work. Yeah. I've been on a lot of group rides where I'm in the break off the front, as you guys can imagine. Mm. And... Yep. You know, I tend to not pull through and then the riders get really, really mad at me and then they just attack me very easily. So I get dropped. She, you know, was probably like, yeah, I don't have the legs to beat either of these world class sprinters, but I'm still going to do my work to get on this podium. And it was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it it was a nail biter to the end. You know, they they only stayed away by a few seconds there at the end. I, uh, If she had decided to just strictly sit on, and coast her way to third, uh, I don't think they would have made it to the line, you know? So kudos to her. She she worked for that third. Yeah, and then um, uh, the top uh, place Trek Segafredo was Ellen Van Dyke. Um, I checked a lot of Lapazza was uh, a DNF, friend of the podcast. But, you know, there's still a lot more racing left in the season. And the crowds of this race were fantastic. The live stream was great on Flow Bikes. You could go between the two races. It was awesome. And I am reading rumors, very strong rumors, that starting in 2020, there's going to be a women's Paris-Roubaix um, really? on the same day as the men and running in a similar fashion where it's going to be on the course but ahead of the race. So a little bit shorter, but allowing for um, the uh, the racing to still happen so then it can get double um, coverage, nice. which is great. Now, I still have, I understand there's TV rights deals, but it would be, I think it's because there's two different feeds, right? There's a women's race and then the men's race. I, it would be great if they found a way to like have the full women's feed, like deservingly so, but then still have the final like five, 10 K go over to the men's race and then maybe have a picture in picture type situation because of just the the larger number audience that's going to be following the men's race um, on the, the broadcast coverage. But then that could uh, really give credit to what the uh, women are able to do out there. I mean, the crowds were deep. There's a lot of cheering. Um, and if you haven't seen the uh, the Ludwig uh, interview, uh, make sure you seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, it was so good. So, so, so good. <laughs> All right. Well, dudes, um, with Flanders wrapped... Uh, let's get into a pre-lap before we uh, talk about some Roubaix and uh, the greatest cyclists of all time. Hi, my name is Lotta Lepiste and I'm listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, we'd like to... Once again, thank all of the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com to find out more about our bevy of shows. Spencer and I have started a new roller derby-specific podcast called Let It Ride. Mm -hmm. It's been uh, going pretty well. And then also, just a brief reminder, if you're already a supporter of the uh, Wide Angle Podium Network, you can go in and always update the shows that you support and you can choose to support roller derby as well in the Luke, the yep. work that Luke is putting in. So you just click the box that says roller derby and then some of your support goes over to Luke, who is 
yeah. doing nice. uh, amazing work. That website and the graphic representation on there has been amazing to see over the last couple of weeks. It's true. Yeah. So you yeah. can you can head over to wideanglepodium.com slash donate and scroll down to the bottom and you'll see the update support. So you can just, uh, you know, click the slow ride and then click roller derby. <laughs> yeah. Make sure what's, to uh, make sure to knock those two out and then, you know, whatever else you want. That's fine. Um, and if you if you go over to the roller derby and you check that leaders board, you know, um, we'll, we'll, we'll ignore who's near the top. Uh-huh. Um, but little guy, <laughs> you and I are within four points of each other. Kind so of the bottom. I'm pretty assuming? far, pretty far down. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're kind of down there, but you know, it's a long season. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that, uh, we are going to be able to, uh, make this happen if, if we need to. So just don't All give right. up hope yet. Okay. No, I'm still building form. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Anyway. Um, We'd also like to thank our friends at Health IQ. Yep. Head on over to healthiq.com slash WAP to find out more on how to save money on your life insurance. Health IQ um, does all the, the heavy lifting for you because if you're a healthy individual, you listen to the podcast, so you more than likely are. You could save a ton of money on your health in- or life insurance. And uh, if anybody knows something about life insurance, it's this guy. Yeah. 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 Uh- <laughs> Yeah, not just for old people, uh, as Tim nope. can attest. Um, yeah, no, Health Health IQ uh, advocates for health conscious folks like uh, like us. Like if you're going on your group rides, if you're doing that work, uh, they can they can help you save some money. So, like Tim said, check out healthiq.com/wap to learn a bit more. Uh, take the quiz, see if you score elite, and if you do, uh, you're saving something like four percent right there, and then. If you're riding 50 miles a week, you're going to save more money. So it, it stacks up. It's great. Check it out. You, you owe it to yourself to at least peruse your options. Um, HealthIQ.com slash WAP. And finally, we have Grimper Brothers. They provide two great coffee blends. We have the Full Schleck Light Roast, and we have Hello Cyclocross Friends Espresso Roast. Uh, check it out. You head on over to WideAnglePodium.com slash coffee. To find out more, you can get the subscription service. You can buy it one off, um, brewed fresh, or sorry, roasted fresh, and then sent to you right away by the week time of the weekend. So make sure you head over to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. Awesome. And with that, let's get back to the show. What up? This is Tom Skoyinch. And you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, guys. Here we are. Roubaix is here. Yeah. But first, little guy, I would be doing a disservice okay. on, on one of your final podcasts if I didn't give you the moment to shine um. with telling us all why we should care about Schnettel Priest's once oh, again, I was going to say that you shouldn't care because it's a sprinter's race <laughs> and so, I don't care, but, um, it's a big race and grown wagon will win or something. I don't know. It's pretty, it goes through a pretty town. I think what you should care about is circuit, uh, cyclist Sarth, which is totally super French in second division, but Vanderpool's riding it, which is on the ninth. So that's Tuesday. So and this is so this he'll is win the cool that version. Yeah, he'll win yeah. that. That's a French sure. race. That's cool. So because okay, so the 107th edition of Schnittle Press 
yeah. which basically has been won by Marcel Kittle every single time. Pretty um, much. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh Christoph. Uh and last year's winner, Fabio Jacobson, who was a DNF um in various races so far this season, including um Ghent. Little guy. Yep. You, you alluded to it. Matthew Vanderpool being kept out of Paris Roubaix. The other teams are scared, surely. I think. I mean, I think he didn't want to do it. He's saving himself to <laughs> win Amstel, but you think he's going to beat Alejandro Valverde at Amstel? I I feel pretty confident he can win yeah. Amstel. <laughs> I mean, I think. I mean, when I'm I haven't dug into this, but I don't know the last time that the Dutch won Amstel, and I mean, they're going to lose their minds if he wins. All right. So we've got Roubaix coming up. Now, if we look at the start list, a lot of the favorites are there. Sagan is going to be there. GVA. Degenkolb more than likely is going to be there. Yeah. Who do you guys have? What is your, who do you think is going to win this race? Uh, I, I don't, you, you want me to go? You guys want to go yeah. first? No, no, you, you go ahead, little guy. You're the guest uh, of honor. Uh, <laughs> I think Kristoff's going to win. So Kristoff is looking that good. You think he's going to lead a group into the, um, velodrome, possibly seven or more. Three or four, <laughs> trying to figure out my roller derby bets here. <laughs> but um, you think he's gonna just win it out in the sprint, or do you think he'll enter the velodrome by himself? I don't think it matters. I think I think he's he's flying right now. He's obviously got a good sprint. He's getting over the climbs enough, so I think he's obviously got a ton of power right now. Um, I think all the people that gave him crap for being big are gonna be hurting come Roubaix. It's not that he's. I mean, he's big, but he's it's bigger like pure than he muscle. used to be. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but he's, he's like he's like heavier than he used to be. He looks like he is, but I mean, he's yeah, but think of that always strength. been good in these races. Yeah, I think he's going to crush it in Roubaix. He just uh, needs a flex to get over the trench of Ehrenberg. You yeah. know what I mean? Like just, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's through it. Um, Spencer, any uh, dark horses or uh, people that you think is going to win? Little guy's got Kristoff, uh, obviously a strong pick. Are you yeah. Uh, yeah. in the Stybar camp? No, uh, I. I don't think there's any dark horses in Roubaix. And th- that's the thing about Roubaix. Uh, you you just, Ooh. it just doesn't work that way. I, I just can't get past my thinking that it's Greg Van Avermaet's time to shine. <sighs> like it's the helmets. He's not a guy no. that I've uh, been a fan of in years past, but this year he's got a little swagger in his step and he's been knocking at the door and I think he's been very, he's had a very Sagan-esque kind of casual attitude this year. And I think that low stress lifestyle, that tranquilo lifestyle is going <laughs> to translate well to Peru Bay for him. That's that green, the green jersey that everyone thinks is, is, is good. It's yeah, it's growing or sorry, the orange jersey, it's growing on me, but it's, it's the helmet still scares me away. I am not in the GVA camp. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb guys telling yeah. you who's going to win right now super rookie guarantee um if you're looking at the start list you got to scroll way way down probably yeah but representing Bahrain Merida my mm-hmm. favorite guy of the spring calendar season that has not had a result yet mm-hmm. but he attacks at every single possible moment Morich of Bahrain Merida it is <laughs> amazing to see him out there and uh I think he's going to be the one. I, he reminds me a lot of myself, you know? 
Like I, I see a lot of my racing qualities in uh-huh. uh, Warwick. You know, just attacking <laughs> on group rides and, and eventually it's just going to stick. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's something. That's something. He could. He's been riding well. Um, I don't think he's going to win though, Tim. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, well. Well, we'll see. I, uh, you know, if if folks do want a real dark horse, I think I think I could, I think I could pin my dark horse flag on Lotto Red Lotto's uh, Jens Cuclier. Oh, that's a good dark horse. I He's think well. he could surprise. I don't think he'll win, but I think he could be on the podium. Yeah, I well, it's true. I'm just He's, gonna pick whoever's. I'm not going to pick Kristoff uh, now because he got sprayed by the champagne of um, <laughs> I know, Betty again, another so, time. Like he's going to be so sick because he's, he's had so <laughs> much champagne hit him. So we got a uh, Roubaix coming up. It's going to be fun. Unfortunately, um, international man of fame, Matthew Vanderpool is not going to be there, but room pot will including Mr. Um, Narrow <laughs> bars with the flair. It's oh, pretty yeah. cool to see him out at Gent Vale a couple weeks ago. So he'll uh, be back. Can can I say um, one thing? I think I think on the podium though is Nils Pollitt from Katusha. Oh I, yes, he did have a fifth place. Um, I mean fifth at fifth at Flanders, and those those climbs are a lot for a man of his girth. So I think he's gonna just like Christoph, he is gonna be a giant cobble crushing machine. Yeah, it's uh, been impressive. Sunday. That's a solid pick. He's and, always uh, ready to attack, but at a smart time, unlike Tim's dude. So <laughs> uh, I want to bring up another one for you. Okay. A guy whose name, like this is, he's not going to, he's not going to place very high, but, um, Yasher Suderlin of Movistar. Have you guys, yeah, he's been Results. like everywhere. And then I checked his pro cycling stats page. Totally a contract year. Ah, like he has been all over yeah. like the, like he's he's been helpful, but he got like ninth at um E three. Yep. But he's you know, maybe not like a like really good result at Ghent, like got thirty eighth, but he was there in the break. He was at Dwarves. Like he's having a really awesome spring. Yeah. And uh contract. It's pretty and it's contract year. Well just saying. He's either doing two things because he's German and he's on Movistar. So he's either trying to let Movistar know he's good or broadcast to Bora. That he's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's definitely the broadcast of Bora, right? You at know, this point? you know, but, uh, he's like he's got he's got to feel it both ways because those are his two best chances for anything. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan. I like Yasha Sierlin. Um, pretty uh, pretty good Instagram follow. Um, oh, really? Okay. Huh. Well, you know, I would have thought with that goatee that it wouldn't have been true, but okay. <laughs> Anyways, in that contract year, so Yasha Sierlin, keep an eye out for him for making the early break. Um. So yeah, Roubaix is around the corner. We're excited about that. We'll check in um, in a few weeks. But guys, a few months ago, we had raised the pro the idea of a cycling hall of fame, and this is something that you know we we've had arguments and you know dissertations from Spencer on who deserves to be in <laughs> and how the voting is going to happen. Uh-huh. But the important thing here is that we got an email from Tim Proctor, who hit us up with giving us a a little bit of assistance because we agree that we're not cycling experts prior to 2005. After 2005, we're the experts in the room. But we're we're more than humble to say we don't know enough about cycling pre-2005. 
So Tim Proctor sends over this website called cyclingranking.com and the riders overall. So without with that, they've basically combined all race results from 1869 to 2019, gave them a variety of points. And then naturally Eddie Merckx is at the top of this list. I don't think anyone would would no. disagree with that. And it's just going to be a few more years before Matthew Vanderpool takes that top spot. But Eddie Merckx <laughs> is clearly head and shoulders above. Grand Tour victories, world championships, one-day races. We understand that. Mm-hmm. Next is Gino Bartali. I'm just going to assume that you guys don't even know who that is. I, <laughs> I do know who he is, yes. Yeah, okay. So. Who do you think is third overall on this ranking? Wow, that's a tough one. Well, he's on Eurosport all the time, and he's in third place. <laughs> all right. You uh, you must be talking about my favorite Milan Sanremo winner, Sean Kelly. Yeah, that's right. Sean uh, Kelly's in third. Fourth place, I would say, probably most famous for his one-hour record with the weighted rear wheel. Oh, Moser. Cheated his Moser. way all the way up to fourth, huh? <laughs> he's in fourth place. Now, little guy, yeah. who do you think is in fifth place overall of all time? Cyclingranking.com, which is only Hinault? second to the Slow Ride podcast in knowledge of cycling. Is it Hanalt? No. Or is it like, it is, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, you know, is down in 10th. 10th? Wow. So, little guy, it is Alejandro Valverde. Whoa, what an really? appropriate ranking. First ballot unanimous Hall of Famer. We are huge fans. We're huge fans because this guy can show up to his first ever tour to Flanders at 38 years old and still get a top 10 and be there. Yeah. Represent the, the stripes so well. Yeah, he's had a clouded past, but look at everybody ahead of him. Yep. Also had kind of a clouded past. Yeah. So Valverde, yeah. fifth There's, overall. I'm looking, I'm, I've pulled this up now, Tim, and I'm looking yeah, at yeah. the top 20. There's only one other active rider in 2019 that's on this top 20 uh, uh, ranking here at cyclingranking.com. And still listed as active. <laughs> Little guy knows who we're talking about. Oh, wow. Little He's guy. really high. Revelin's 14th. David Revelin on this list in 14th. <laughs> that's so, amazing. I mean, let me ask you guys a question. That's who like would, winning the cry because you showed up to every race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Who would you say would cause more like smugness of road fandom. David Rebelin winning Tour de Flanders in 2019 or Alejandro Valverde winning it in 2019? Like who would be more, like who would cause more angst? Oh, oh Rebelin, come on. It, you yeah, think so? I think Rebelin's a little, like Valverde's pretty hated, but I think you kind of love to hate him. Whereas Rebelin, like, I don't know. I think people just don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. So the next next active, we'll just go active riders. Philip Gelbert is there in 26th overall. Okay. Not too bad. You know, he's got a pretty respectable since it's pretty respectable for a horrible performance at Flanders. Since 1896. Since 1896. This is saying that Philippe Gelbert is the 26th greatest cyclist of all time. That's pretty good, Tim. Yeah. 37th. Vincenzo Nibali. Okay. Not too bad. 
creeping up. Oh, um, he's totally going to pass uh, Joaquin Rodriguez, which will just be another time that he beat Rodriguez. That's going to really be a bummer for him. 49th place, Peter Sagan. Okay. One would hope that Peter's, I mean, Peter Sagan, just, he's just a few tour of California victories away from uh, <laughs> passing Tom Boonin in 45th place. Um, Sagan, I think will end his career in the top 15, top 20. He's yeah, not looking yeah. so good right now, but I'm not worried. Sagan is going to Sagan. He'll win a bunch of stages at the tour. He'll look good. So what's, don't worry. Fans what, of Bora. What's You'll disappointing to me on this list is Greg Lamont. Down in, I haven't even down in 56. 56th place. Yeah, that seems behind, like an error behind Greg Van Avermaet, but ahead of yeah. Alexander Vilnikorov. Uh-huh. Wow, what a what a interesting sandwich to be in if you're Greg Lamont, like a GVA Alexander Vilnikorov. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a palindrome because you have GVA right, Greg Lamont, and then you have AV Alexander Vinokurov. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do they, how do these rankings work, Tim? Because in a situation know, like a little okay. below Chris that, Chris Froome is in seventieth. Yeah, yeah, I don't I think gonna... we've we haven't hacked into their mainframe yet. Uh, we are we've got our team working on it because uh, okay. I know Tim <laughs> wants to get this uh, cycling Hall of Fame thing going. So I can only imagine got... we'll I, we'll know I gotta by say next week. Damiano Cunigo, seventy second place. So this is a legit ranking. Like this, like this uh, is legit. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Here's what I want my my bug I want to say with it. Finion, my favorite cyclist of all time, sixty second, right? This is a man that won the tour twice, won the Giro, won Milan San Remo. Mm-hmm. Um he is sixty second. Sixty third, Casa Grande. Now I got nothing against Casa Grande. He was a good rider. He won Flesh Malone, San Sebastian, Tour of Switzerland. But like those are not and like Flesh Malone is like kind of a classic and stuff, but like, come on, he he never won a Grand Tour. He was like close. Yeah. He won stages. But guy, but like, that's that's why he's above. That's why he's below Fignon. Right? But he's Michael ba- Bugard. Just barely. Michael Bugard is right in front of him, and yeah, he won okay. Amstel Gold once. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Like, and yeah, Bugard's ahead, and like, yeah. Okay, uh, we'll have I to, don't understand this. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe they're taking into account strength of schedule, but but here's the thing, Damiano Cunigo. Let me just end here. This is, this is, I'm running the show tonight. The little prince, you know, little guy. Would you vote for him on the first ballot to get into the Hall of Fame? Kunigo? Yeah. No. Now let me let me how, let me tell you. Let me tell you what he's ballots? won. You get like three riders every year that retire, and he retired in 2018. Yeah. I don't know. We got to figure out the ballots, but here's the thing. Look at <laughs> right, listen. I'm to looking this. at his his victories. 2008. Amsel Gold. Yeah. Three Lombardias. Yeah, that's he true. He won that's the Giro in 2004. He run stages at Roman D, Vuelta. I mean, seriously, like this has to be. I mean, that Giro win and all those Lombardias. Yeah, he had a good and career. Didn't he, didn't he win a Japan Cup in there too? <laughs> I think so. You know, he yeah. would almost have helped himself if, especially you're looking at his graph of his wins, like if he would have just retired in like 2010. We would all have, I think it would be easier to remember him as a great rider, but because he, he won a lot up till 2009 and he won big stuff for 2008. And then he sort of like had some middling victories and then it just, it was just gone. It just petered out, you know, and it's hard to remember how good he was for a while there. All right. Well, maybe a second 
round Hall of Fame, second ballot, but he definitely belongs in the uh, the, the the showplace of the immortals. <laughs> that is the Slow Ride Podcast hmm. Hall of Fame. Well, guys, what else do you want to talk about? Is there anything else on your mind before we say goodbye to the little guy on the Slow Ride Pod? Uh, I would like to get, I mean, I have one burning question about hearkening uh, back to Flanders that I need little guy's opinion on. I need to know if he was uh, aware of this when it happened. Okay. In the post-race scrum, uh, as as the riders, as uh, uh, Betzel is being uh, escorted through the crowds of, of media and whatnot, um, I don't know who it was, like his DS or his Swanier or somebody is congratulating him and then yells out to the media, proclaims, we're all getting Mustangs. Call the Ford dealership. We're all getting Mustangs. Wait, really? What? No, I didn't. I didn't know about this. So Wait, he said Mustangs instead of Ferraris. He said Mustangs, oh and God. I'm not sure if that was a predetermined thing. Like, ah, you guys, if you win Flanders, we'll buy you all Mustangs, or if, or, or what? Like, hmm. you know, as if Jonathan Vodders didn't expect them to win, and was like, oh crap, now I got to yeah. buy everybody Mustangs. <laughs> how, do, how does that make you feel? Uh... Well, I guess they're an American team, so... Uh, what, a Mustang? That's is this weird. product placement thing, or do you think Europeans just are, are enamored with Mustangs? They're probably into Mustangs like we're into weird, you know, Euro cars that we don't get, you know, in the same way. And they, I guess they get Mustangs, but... You know what I mean? Like, we're we're excited about some Peugeot, like, hatchback, <laughs> hot hatch, you know? And they're like, really? Can we get some Mustangs? That's really I, weird. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm really I hope Vodders didn't actually. Mustangs. Remember when uh, Tinkoff dude offered Micah an uh, Austin Martin if he oh, won yeah. the uh, like King of the Mountains or whatever, and then he won two stages and won the King of the Mountains, and then had to. I don't know how he got out of that. But. <laughs> well, that's why he's not an owner of a team anymore. Yeah, yeah. that's why Micah was ready. He couldn't to pass jump the credit ship. check at the uh, the financing department of the Aston Martin dealership. Um, I'm disappointed that it was Mustangs, Spencer. To be honest, yeah. um, I, I mean, at the minimum, you think they could go for like a Lumina? Um, a Lumina? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that was a twist I wasn't expecting there. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to think of the Chevy Lumina, like, oh no. man. That's a blast from the past. What? I'm going to go buy stock in that General Motors. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up their uh, the team website now because I'm confident they're not sponsored by Ford, but they must have a car <laughs> sponsor. So I need to yeah, know what it is. Yeah, a car sponsor? I guess it's going to be Ford's like, well, we got that free advertising out of them. I don't know. Oh, man. That's uh, real disappointing. Uh, next thing to talk about, little guy. What did you think of the victory salute when he came across the line and rank that against Marianne Voss the week prior at um, Ghent because the the eyes, the eyes to the heart, the eyes to the the cameras. Now, supposedly, yeah. this was this was a call out to the Italian media for overlooking him. Oh, okay. Like, so there's like some angst yeah. there and that's why he was like calling him out. So what'd you think? Uh, it was subtle because I didn't understand that. So it was good. <laughs> All right. Uh, was it, uh, 
it wasn't Toshnig. Who was it? It was Tonkoff who, who, when we were first watching, like early 2000s, did the whole FU, uh, arm gesture when he came across <laughs> and won a Jiro stage yeah. after he'd been kind of written off as being too old. Um, who was the, the woman from so- uh, Germany? Aren't Judith Aunt, Aren't was it when yeah. she came across the line? Was it her or was it uh, another German uh, racer at the Olympics came across the line and flicked off the crowd in the commissaries? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Yes. That was, Why that was, was that good. though? Why was she flicking off the commissary? I think I she was mad that like her friend or partner wasn't also selected on the team or something. So it was like a, you know, a, a moment of disgust. Oh, but okay. uh, anyway, it was, uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't care for the Betiel uh, eyes um, celebration. It was a little bit too pronounced. Like he had practiced it a little bit too much. Um, Whereas the Marianne Voss victory celebration, I think was one of the coolest I've ever seen. Just like the one hand up and just straight like enjoyment. But Tim, that's, I mean, you can't really fault. He's never won a race. I, I, as someone who's only really won (laughs) one thing ever in all my racing career, understand the plight of knowing that you're about to win something and sort of having a panic attack inside <laughs> of what do you yeah, do in the victory Tom's- celebration Voss she throws those arms up every week that's like second nature to her you know yeah but look at what Tom Schoons put together for his uh, victory mm-hmm. celebration last year at Tour California that thing was an epic performance yeah but he and- just stole that from Abby we know that so like yeah, I know that I just <laughs> <laughs> I, I- I'm just saying, like, maybe Abby can do a clinic for Betiel on what the next victory celebration should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I was just... It just could. seemed a little like... Like, maybe he went to his eyes a little bit too many... Like, one too many times. <laughs> I know I'm splitting hairs here. I'm really excited for the guy and the fact that he's going to get a Mustang now. But, um, <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> I just want to know what the trim package is on that. Are they getting... Are they getting sunroof? Sunroof? Do they still make the saline version? I don't know what they do. Oh, man. Good old uh, Ford Mustangs. Um, Well, guys, it has been a wonderful time doing the Slow Ride podcast with you. It has been a great five years, little guy. I'd like to uh, thank you so much for coming along for the ride. And I know you're not going to be a stranger. I know that you're going to be there for uh, maybe another uh, group ride with me. I'm sure I can convince you also to come on the... uh, the uh, Nanchez Trace uh, bike touring trip. <laughs> I know that can. you guys. I know people think that uh, that's not going to happen, but you know, <laughs> little people guys think, got my back. People think the planning hasn't really been going on for that. It may be right. <laughs> I got the Klein bike. It's going to be shipping out to me very, very soon. I so say you um, don't have it. Okay, you don't have it physical. Physical. You it, haven't touched it yet. I haven't touched it, but friend of the pod, um, uh, Paul has it out in Seattle and he's going to be, uh, taking care of, uh, the whole thing, Paul Buchanan. So okay, be pretty, uh, pretty great to, uh, to get. So anyways, Spencer, what do you got? Uh, I got nothing. I'm trying to figure out what kind of team car EF, uh, uh, drives, but <laughs> still researching the best Does I can tell is to... they, they used to be in Tesla's, but they don't appear to be anymore. So. Maybe yeah. they need some Mustangs. Well, it was maybe that's what happened when they uh, had to do the crowdsourcing. People were like, wait, you drive Teslas and you're asking me to crowdsource? Why don't you just go straight to Elon Musk? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a bad well, look. Little guy. Yep. Thanks again. Yep. Thanks, with guys. that, I'd like to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to wideanglepodium.com to find out more about our family of shows and how you can support the network. 
Also, thanks to healthiq.com slash WAP. Find out how to save some money on your life insurance by being a healthy individual. I'd also like to thank Grimper Brothers for their two unique coffee blends for the Wide Angle Podium. Head over to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to find out more there. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to give an extra special wave to the little guy if you see him out on the road and thank him for five fantastic years of the Slow Ride podcast. And and, and everyone else that you see too, wave to them too. Yeah, them too. Thanks, guys. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.